You're invited to I Am The Cute One, the most chaotic school dance in the podcast universe. Let's spike the punch, grind to Usher, and recap some of the cutest movies that made our millennial minds explode. Hello, I am Chelsea, and I am the cute one. And I am Donnie, and I am the cute one. And today, we are here to cover Gremlins, and cuties, I'm so happy to report the homeschool children have found a public school (laughs) kid to play with. We are joined by the true cute one, Quinn Lamar. Welcome back, Quinn. Thank you, Chelsea. I'm happy you didn't call me a gremlin. I thought you were going to be like, and now we have a gremlin here. I was going to say my own personal gremlin, but her introduction was cuter. It was also more professional. Wow. We don't care about that I was going to say, yet. there's a first time for everything, and we are less than one minute in, so maybe hold that compliment till the end. But Quinn, the last time that you came on was for Catwoman, and mm. you called our podcast, and I quote, so weird. And <laughs> since then, we have spent the last three to four months talking about books to ourselves without a guest. So I can only imagine where we're going to go today. Well, judging by the hard glasses and the Christmas tree antler head thing you're wearing, I don't think it's going <laughs> to get me better. But I'm here. This movie, Gremlins, was released on June 8th, 1984. It was a Friday. Time After Time by Cindy Lauper was at the top of the music charts. Ghostbusters, also released this day, hit the number one spot at the box office while this movie came in at number two. And a significant severe weather event took place across the central United States when a tornado outbreak killed 13 people across three states. And also on June 8th, 1984, homosexuality was declared legal in the state of New South Wales, Australia. Wow. Mm -hmm. A lot happening. Yeah. That tornado's iconic. <laughs> it's so weird that rewatching this movie is definitely a product of its time. It's so early 80s. Oh, yeah. But I don't know. It's weird. Like, it doesn't seem as old as that to me when I watch it because I've seen it so many times. This was only my second time ever watching it. I have to say, Dr. Bald is very jealous that we are all talking about it today. As I was watching, he kept coming in the room to give me little tidbits and facts and background and trivia. And I was like, please stop talking. (laughs) Donnie and Quinn will do that for me later. That's what men like to do. (laughs) But I agree in terms of it does feel early 80s. But this is kind of as far back as we go in terms of movies we cover. And it really still Mm -hmm. holds up. I mean, it ages like Blockbuster (laughs) in many areas, but it does hold up in terms of like entertainment value for sure. I mean, violence is always in (laughs) style. Beautiful. Iconic. (laughs) So before we jump into the plot, Quinn, I know that you suggested this Christmas movie. And I do agree. It is a Christmas movie. It's definitely a Christmas movie. You wanted to talk a little bit about your theory and about this movie in general. So I'll give you the floor. Okay, so this is a movie. I'll give it a quick synopsis. Not yet. See, I never know when <laughs> I'm not going to get angry. I love that you still, this is now what, your third or fourth time on, and you still don't trust us to host our own show. Mm. I don't always agree with the flow of it. So, Well, in your defense, the last time you were on, we just forgot to do the one minute synopsis so you know you might be onto something there i don't think there's a minute of words to describe catwoman honestly so i I think that's probably why so okay so i'll just go this isn't exactly my theory there are many people who have a theory that gremlins deals with the themes of xenophobia racism basically people of color specifically i say black people coming into the suburbs and causing a lot of problems and i say that because You know, they're different. They speak kind of their own language. 
They all seem to kind of be cool. They dress <laughs> and are coded as black people, especially in the times where like page boy hats and things mm. like that. That was very much a black hip hop style back in the day. They like fried chicken. Like there's so many things that I feel cozy as a, you know, there's black people moving on my block. And as a family of the first black people to move on the block, I kind of feel seen by Stripe. You mm. had given me the teaser of the theory. And then again, Dr. Bald wouldn't shut the fuck up and <laughs> then elaborated a bit on that theory. And watching it with that lens, it was a different viewing experience this time around than the first time when I just thought it was cute little <laughs> goblins running around causing terror and commotion. I mean, that's what I did in the white community when I grew up in it. <laughs> <laughs> so, Donnie, take it away. Background info and trivia. Sure. Unless Quinn wants to do it or jump to a different segment. I know I came incredibly prepared for Catwoman, but I am a seasoned researcher of Catwoman. I am not that involved in the background of Gremlins because, you know, it's racist. But he also is a know-it-all, so I'm sure he'll figure something to say. <laughs> so it was directed by Joe Dante. Did you know that? <laughs> I did know that. Okay. It was directed by Joe Dante who also directed The Burbs, five episodes of Erie, Indiana, Small Soldiers, and Looney Tunes back in action. Huh. It was written by Chris Columbus. Chelsea, you know him well. I sure do. He was <laughs> upon the 9-11 ship. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's not the right. <laughs> that was the right words in the wrong order. Quinn, did you know that? That Chris Columbus was on the Titanic the day of 9-11, eating lunch? With Bill Paxton. And James Cameron. Oh, it was James Cameron, wasn't it? We figured that out before. It wasn't Chris Columbus. <laughs> Do you see how I don't learn anything? I think, cuties, sometimes you guys think it's a bit. Sometimes you think that me and Donnie are joking about how dumb we are. And this is why I tend to leave. <laughs> uh, well, welcome back. And hairless cats are dogs. Okay. <laughs> so it was written by Chris Columbus. He directed Home Alone 1 and 2, Mrs. Doubtfire, Stepmom, and a couple of the Harry Potter movies. Bangers. All bangers. But his writing talents went to The Goonies, Nine Months, starring Julianne Moore and Hugh Grant, and Christmas with the Cranks. Huh. It cost $11 million to make and made $154 million worldwide. Dang. It won five Saturn Awards for sci-fi movies, including Best Horror Film, Best Supporting Actress for The Mom, and Best Director. Wow, the Saturn Awards. They should really start televising those. Roger Ebert, that old piece of shit, gave it three stars, and he said, Gremlins was hailed as another E.T. It is not. It's in a different (laughs) tradition. Don't go if you still believe in Santa Claus. (gasps) Roger, Jesus Christ. He gave it three out of four stars. Yeah, so I don't know. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm coming around on that old man. I love Roger Ebert. He was my nemesis for some time. Your nemesis? Oh, Your nemesis was like 50 years older than you? And dead. (laughs) May he rest. Yeah, but hey, my grudges know no bounds. They will transcend the afterlife. However, I love that he will give a movie three out of four stars and still rip it to shreds. I think talking shit is his love language, too. Oh, game recognized yeah. game. Yeah, because there was no reason to bring Santa Claus into this. Absolutely not. But you also have to keep in mind that off topic, Roger Ebert is the reason that we have Oprah. Wow. Because he championed her early career and actually got her her meeting with the executives that got her her show. See? That's the smart stuff Quinn comes with. And Donnie, he told us that last episode. So just <laughs> another example of mm-hmm. all of that information not being retained, just bouncing off the dome into the Whenever I think about Roger Ebert, I think that he was a spurned lover of Oprah's. I can't get that out of my head. Can mm. you get that out of your head? 
Wait, Oprah turned down Roger Ebert. She was not <laughs> interested. I mean, obviously, Stedman. Or Gail. This is the first time that I'm witnessing this from the outside. So, <laughs> listeners, I am once again asking, why do you listen to us? Because I'm going to have to put the clip of Quinn telling us this last episode and the clip that just happened side by side. Because beat for beat, joke for joke, you brought up Gail last time. <laughs> like, we really are just in the twilight zone. Nobody brought up Gail. I just did. Oh, I didn't hear. I'm alive. <laughs> Okay, what else, Donnie? <laughs> Jesus. Like what you're hearing? Head to I am the cute one for more. There you can find uncut, unedited, and unhinged video and audio footage of current episodes. That's patreon.com slash one. See you there. So this is my favorite part of the show. This is where I give you the taglines of the movie, and you tell me whether you'd fuck them, marry them, or kill them. First one is the gremlins are coming. Ugh. <laughs> I'll kill it. I have to imagine okay. they're gonna get worse, but I am gonna kill it. <laughs> okay. Okay. <laughs> the second one is cute, clever, mischievous, intelligent, dangerous. We're here. I'm going to fuck it. I agree. I'll fuck that too. And that means you both marry. You can't get burned seeing gremlins. <laughs> I hate this. Whoever did these taglines, they should be shriveled up in that blender. Okay, a little trivia before we get to the movie and let Quinn give a one-minute synopsis as he so badly wants to. <laughs> yeah. Number one, the town is the same set as Back to the Future. Huh. Two, in the original script, Gizmo becomes Stripe, but Steven Spielberg was the producer, and he insisted that one of the gremlins should be a good guy that the audience could identify with. He didn't want, like, all of them to turn bad. Also in the original script, the gremlins attacked a McDonald's and ate the heads of the employees on hamburger buns. They also killed Billy's dog and beheaded his mom and tossed her head down the steps. I love all of that except for the murdered dog. And I do have to say, and obviously we will get to this, but after seeing what happens to poor rover whatever the fuck his name is i was really concerned that there was going to be an animal death mm. because i can deal with humans dying but it's the dog deaths that really get me in a movie ladies and gentlemen white people <laughs> <laughs> and the last bit of trivia i have is this movie inspired the mpaa to create the pg-13 rating because they felt it was too violent to be pg but wasn't violent enough to be rated r you know that makes me feel better about my parenting decisions as my <laughs> six-year-old and four-year-old sat down to watch the first 10 minutes with me. <laughs> I don't think it's quite an R-rated movie, but as a child of the 90s, I don't think I'm really qualified to make that mm. decision. <laughs> American tradition. Our violence is what unites us. Put it on a bumper sticker. That and shopping. Yeah. <laughs> Beautiful. And Black Friday it's combines both. the two. Yeah. I don't like y'all telling that joke. Which one? Black Friday? Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's not racist. <laughs> don't worry. You'll have plenty of time to call us out later. So um, would you like to go? What segment would you like to go to next, Quinn? <laughs> Probably the end. I figured now would be the minute synopsis, even though it will not take me a it's minute not, to do that. It's still, still not time. time. Almost, though. <laughs> okay. One last segment before. <sighs> so what character, if any, do you identify as? The answer is Stripe, and that is because I am mischievous and black and also able to swim. I am not black, but I do start out cute and turn naughty. And also, if I see rules, I really do feel like they are meant to be broken. I also have to say, that party at the pub with the poker and the cigars and the flashing, that looked fun. 
What about you, Donnie? I'm two people. One, I am gizmo because breaking rules makes me uncomfortable and like mm-hmm. I just stand around and judge. But then number two, I'm the gremlin that cross dresses. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> There's one in each movie. And that's me, baby. <laughs> All right, Quinn, Quinn. Guess what time it is? It's time. I'm going to put one minute on the clock. I want you to give a one-minute synopsis of this fine film. Take it away. Uh, okay, we have a suburban family. It's Christmas time, and at Christmas time, the head of the family is an inventor, and he runs across this shop in Chinatown, which has all these curious oddities. And one of the oddities, which is not for sale but on the sales floor, is a little creature that sings and sort of talks. He wants to buy it. The proprietor says no. He makes a backdoor deal with the proprietor's grandson and takes Gizmo home. He's told that he is not supposed to feed him after midnight. He's not supposed to put him in direct sunlight. That'll kill him and to never get him wet. He takes him home. He gives him as a gift to his 20-year-old son. And the son is irresponsible, does all three of the things. And once Gizmo's wet, he makes about, what, five other Mogwai and those Mogwai eat after midnight, transform, chaos ensues, people end up dead. The town is all in disarray and overrun with these things until Phoebe Cates, who I love from the 80s, and he team up together to save the town, destroy the gremlins, and then at the end, Gizmo is taken away by the mysterious Chinese man who's always smoking. Marvelous. Thanks. So our movie opens with Britney's dad from Crossroads entering an underground shop wait, in China. Wait, wait, wait. What? Wasn't Britney's dad in Crossroads? Dan Aykroyd. Yeah, right? Yeah. That was not Dan Aykroyd, Chelsea. <laughs> what? That was not Dan Aykroyd. The dad. The dad was not Dan Aykroyd. In fact, the dad is probably a good 15 years older than Dan Aykroyd. Well, I called him Dan throughout my entire outline. I was like, man, Dan Aykroyd, good for him. Two blockbuster films. No. Not him. Are you sure? I think I'm pretty sure. Well, I'm pretty sure. I'm sure Quinn is very sure. Okay. Well, our movie opens with not Britney Spears' dad from Crossroads entering an underground shop in Chinatown looking for a Christmas present for his son. Dan Aykroyd is an inventor. I'm using air quotes for both cuties without Patreon. No, you shouldn't explain it. If they don't subscribe to Patreon, they don't know. Patreon.com slash I am the cute one to see my air quotes. Everybody's talking about it. Mm-hmm. And after a racist pitch of his invention of the bathroom buddy, Randall hears the sweet siren song of the Mogwai, a cute little singing Furby whose name, fun fact, means devil in Cantonese. And even though he's a deadbeat living in a house full of obsolete inventions and being supported by his adult son, this man offers 200 smackaroos for it. But he learns that because the Mogwai comes with so much responsibility, he can't be sold at any price. Wait, first of all, am I delusional? Quinn, were you making Mogwai noises during that? Or did I make it up? Oh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> I didn't see your lips moving at all, but I That's heard because it. it's just humming. <laughs> <laughs> did you ever buy anything that wasn't on sale to the public? Mm. Like if you went in a store and they were like, sorry, that's not for sale. I would probably just steal it. I stole <laughs> a lot of things as a child. Oh my God. I don't steal anymore, but the rush it gave me. Ooh. Mm. I used to like willy nilly when I worked at in the Outer Banks that one summer, I used to just decide prices. So when people came in, like if they annoyed me, I would charge them like $15 for an ice cream. That's cone. illegal. Well, I know, but you know, <laughs> simpler times. 
<laughs> shoplifting gives you a throw really wide known as your writer. Huh? Have you done it? You haven't definitely. Shoplifted? No, not shoplifted, but like buying something that's not for sale. Yeah. I went to the grocery store when I was in middle school and they had the VHSs of Titanic for sale. But to sell them, they had this big display of the boat with Jack and Rose looking over it. And I said, can I have this when you're done? And they were like, that's not for sale. And I said, please, it's all I need in my life. So then they took my name and when they were done with it, they let me buy it for $10. It was in my bedroom for like five years. They (laughs) robbed you. That was going to go in a dumpster and whatever 18-year-old working at that grocery store, good for them. I would have charged you 20. So No, but I wanted it. The dumpster didn't. So I'm fine spending the $10 for it. Why didn't you just... Just hang around the dumpster of a grocery store? No. Why didn't you just walk out with it? (gasps) That would be theft. Why didn't you steal it? I did used to steal the seasoning from Red Robin. Oh, you little trickster. Yeah, all the time. My parents would get so mad. And I would steal silverware from restaurants. (laughs) Because I had like a kleptomania kink, but I was afraid because I followed rules to steal like stuff from stores. So I would just sneak silverware into my sleeve when I left a restaurant. Oh, my God. Somehow worse. Well. I don't know if this is the same thing, but when I went away to college, um, I would steal books. <gasps> from the bookstore? I would steal books from one bookstore and then sell them back to another bookstore. <gasps> Genius. Brilliant. Yeah. I'd make like so 200 bucks a day. So much money. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. I felt it was a victimless crime since they were like railroading us. Yeah. I mean, that's some Robin Hood shit, really. <laughs> well, except I robbed from the rich to buy weed and drink illegally, but yeah. You were the poor. Oh, yeah, I guess so. <laughs> Despite the ominous warning from the shopkeeper. Oh, we're back to the synopsis. (laughs) Uh The capitalistic grandson goes behind his grandfather's back and gives Randall the curious creature. There are three rules for owning a mogwai. Number one, keep him out of the light. Number two, don't get him wet. And the most important rule of all, number three, never, ever feed him after midnight. First of all, pets as a gift is terrible in general. Agreed. That is a big responsibility. Like, if you're not asking for that, nobody wants it. Second, Mm -hmm. this thing speaks English, (laughs) isn't a species that anybody knows about, has human teeth, and it sings, and... There's rules that, like, don't feed it after midnight. Something is up. Nobody should ever buy this for anybody. Well, this is going back into that whole thing, too. You have it. Don't get it in sunlight. It's dark enough. Don't feed it after midnight. It'll get the itis, and it'll be lazy. And it's already predisposed (laughs) to having some musical talent. We're back into the racist tropes here. But, you know, we can't really prove it. (laughs) If you were to give yourself three rules to describe how someone should take care of you, what would your three rules be? Like, what would turn me into the worst version of myself? Yeah, like, mine would be, number one, <laughs> no third tequila shot after midnight. Number two, mm. don't tell me that I should smile more. And mm. number three, if you touch the small of my back, I will punch you in the nuts. <laughs> wow. That's a good one. Mine are, I think, don't make me hungry, don't make me horny, <laughs> And don't like someone too similar to me more than you like me. Huh. What reasonable requests. <laughs> I guess now is a good time to remind new listeners that Quinn is Donnie's husband. I think mine is don't touch my hair. Mm. The second one is don't feed me beets. <laughs> and I think the third one would be don't get me wet. 
That one can stay the same. I hate the feeling of being wet in clothing. Yeah. Mm. Wet socks in particular, I think, are mm. a layer of Dante's Inferno. Yeah. I have follow-up questions about beets. They're disgusting. Oh, okay. Okay. Fair. They taste like the dirt they grow in. Mm. And they turn your teeth red like a vampire. Forever? <laughs> Not, Not forever, forever Donnie. Donnie. Oh. I don't know if it like stained them the way coffee does. Oh, like a red tint. Yeah. I don't know. I don't eat that many beets, but But I love them, Quinn. Ew. (laughs) So you know what they say, the apple doesn't fall far from the tree. And I quickly remembered that I hate every member of the Peltzer family when we are introduced to Billy, an Andy Cohen doppelganger who spends (laughs) his time drawing comics, humoring his neighbor's racist rants against foreigners, and taking his dog everywhere first of all andy cohen wishes i know (laughs) billy is the hottest thing i've ever seen on screen i said it multiple times throughout this movie like every time he would appear in a new scene i act like it's the first time i ever saw this man i turned to quinn i said he is hot Uh uh-oh that's rule number two don't get you horny And Andy Cohen just repulses me, so (laughs) I don't see the similarities. Do you have anything else about Billy Quinn? Because I have one more thing, but I want to make sure you can speak. You mean like as far as trivia or about the movie? No, not trivia. Like anything Chelsea said, do you want to call her an idiot? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, she's totally an idiot for hating the Peltzer family. They are a family filled with love and support, despite the fact that both of the men are losers. I think that's a beautiful thing. Before you move on, I have one more thing about what you just said. Mm -hmm. And this is just for me. I don't expect either of you to relate to this. Don't love that disclaimer. (laughs) I also drew comic strips when I was younger. In middle school, I used to have a recurring comic strip called Coffee Brat. And in um, in hindsight, it was just copying off of Sabrina, kind of. Uh-huh. She lived with her two aunts, and instead of a talking cat, her coffee mug came alive and talked to her. <laughs> then whenever she would drink coffee, she would get superpowers. <laughs> what part made her a brat? That was when she was a regular teenage girl. She was like, I wish you were dead. And then she would drink the coffee and then have to fight to save the life of the people she just wished death upon. It was deep. An allegory. (laughs) Cuties, you know I cannot see a movie without pretending I'm in it, and now it's your turn. Have you ever tried to use the force when no one's looking or thought about what superheroes would win in a fight? Then you'll want to stop what you're doing... unless you're driving, and visit Sideshow.com. Your eyes do not deceive you. They have a life-size, impeccably detailed replica of the child from Star Wars The Mandalorian. Now, I don't mean to brag, but Sideshow did send me the child. I call him Baby Yoda. I have since learned that is not his name, but he is my son now, so I will be continuing to call him as such. And we have been playing dress-up, having photo shoots, and just having a grand old time. But if that one doesn't speak to you, how about a movie-accurate statue of Christopher Reeve as Superman? They got that too. But just wait until you see the incredibly lifelike figures of Robert Downey Jr. as Iron Man. We are thrilled to have Sideshow sponsoring our podcast today. They offer a wide selection of premium figures, statues, and fine art from the worlds of Star Wars, DC, Marvel, Harry Potter, Lord of the Rings, and so much more. These limited edition, handcrafted, officially licensed collectibles 
Bring pop culture's biggest icons to life in your home. And here is the best part. You can get an exclusive $50 off your first order of $200 or more. It's a great opportunity for new customers to dive into the world of high-quality collectibles. Or you can gift it to that super geek in your life. Perhaps that person in your life that you know would cringe when they hear that I've been letting my daughter sleep with my baby Yoda. And again, that I refuse to stop calling it baby yoda plus shopping at sideshow earns you five percent back in sideshow rewards meaning for every one hundred dollars spent you get five dollars back in rewards that can be used on future purchases while geeking out is its own reward your collection goes farther with sideshow so what are you waiting for visit sideshow.com promo code cute one right now and get ready to let your geek side show oh that's clever sideshow like sideshow.com I get it. Even though he gives Billy the Mogwai, who is now named Gizmo, without telling him any of the rules, just handing it to him, I was relieved that that poor little guy wasn't stuck in a box without holes mm. until Christmas. I don't like to share with the world that I think sociopathic things sometimes, but... <laughs> you do such a good job of keeping <laughs> that a secret. At what point would you think about burning these things alive? <gasps> <laughs> because, <laughs> like I said... <laughs> Like I said, it speaks English, it has human teeth, all those things. But, and I know we're not quite there yet, but as soon as those little five fur balls popped off of it, I will pop them right in the microwave. <laughs> like there are red flags being waved around this house. Yeah, it's being waved right now as I look <laughs> at you, the biggest red flag of them all. I don't, I wouldn't, I, no, no, at no uh. point, because it's not their fault. <laughs> They were given very specific rules. Three, there's not a lot you have to keep track of. Just don't do these things and be like a generally good person and pet owner. But instead, they immediately don't care for this creature in the way that it needs to be. So anything that happens, this is the same as, now this is going to be a niche reference, so shout out to my Real Housewives of Beverly Hills people. But that's like Kim Richards getting a pit bull and then not training it and being like, oh no, Gingsley <laughs> bit my niece's face off. It's like, well, you're a bad pet owner. You know, anything to add, Quinn? <laughs> Did he sign off? <laughs> Just mentally. <laughs> yes, uh, in the Cal Richards reference, you should be able to control your dog. In this instance, these are, you know, I, I'm kind of reminded of Aliens, which is another favorite of mine, where somebody tells Ripley, you don't have the right to single-handedly extinct an entire species and she said, wrong. <laughs> and I agree with that here. I mean, Gizmo, no. Like, I love Gizmo. But the mother ones, they came out looking like they were going to cause trouble. Exactly. One is a problem. Five out of one. Those are like rodent reproducing numbers, which means <laughs> that by killing them, you're not really going to decrease the population because they replenish so quick. So let's just abort these. <laughs> And try to maintain Gizmo. And if it happens again, then we can talk about getting rid of Gizmo after we kill that match, too. <laughs> after being attacked by another one of his dad's deficient designs, Billy lures a local neighborhood child to his bedroom, where he gets undressed and introduces him to Gizmo. They broke rule number one immediately by doing flash photography 
bright lights, boom. Now they break another rule, number two, this time getting Gizmo wet, and as you've said, causing him to give birth to five new mogwais. And these new mogwais aren't goody-goodies like Gizmo. While Gizzy spends his time singing little songs, watching his little movies, and wearing his cute little 3D glasses, these new guys seem committed to causing chaos and breaking rules, especially their leader, the extra douchey one with the mohawk named Stripe. Mm -hmm. He's a bad boy. And then you have Uncle Gizmo sitting there, and he wants to be accepted by the people. He wants to live like them and go against his gremlin nature. There you go. Soon strange things start happening. Wires are chewed, clocks are broken, and Billy finds his dog, Barney, hanging outside, strung up by Christmas lights. (laughs) What the fuck? Wait, Chelsea, I have a confession. I always say I don't like cats, but I just don't like pets. Again, doing a really good job keeping those sociopathic (laughs) tendencies inside. When that dog was hanging by the Christmas lights, I laughed out loud. (laughs) I mean, it's kind of funny (laughs) because this is the whimsy that we love about Gremlins. They had a problem with Barney. They took him outside and they taught him a lesson. And we can tell by the way he acted once he was untangled, he will not tangle with them again. (laughs) It's like when you fuck that dog, Chelsea. I didn't fuck the dog. I humped the dog. There's a distinction. I tried to do that to my sister's dog on Thanksgiving. It did not work. Well, you have to mean it. You can't go through the motions. You have to really mean it as the alpha. Yeah, because it wasn't my dog, I was afraid to do that. Did your sister know you were doing it? No, the dog was jumping on the furniture and none of them did anything about it. So I went and pulled her down. And then I was like, since I already have her collar, then I just mounted her (laughs) and humped her a little. The intentions were good, but you went wrong in a couple parts. Number one, it needed to be in front of everybody. It needs to be a public humping so that the dog knows that everybody knows that she's Mm -hmm. your bitch now, literally and figuratively. (laughs) And number two, I mean, I think when you hump someone else's dog, that's just crossing lines we don't want to cross, you know? Yeah, that's why I only half-assed it. That's crazy. Roll the newspaper still work. <laughs> Billy at this point doesn't yet realize that the call is coming from inside the house. And instead, this hardy boy suspects his nemesis, Mrs. Deagle. <laughs> Mrs. Oh, Mrs. Deagle. Deagle. She was my second pick. Me too. I love this woman. And honestly, the evidence is pretty damning against her. So I understand why she was at the top of his suspect list, because this is a woman who walks through traffic, weaponizes Santa against families who can't pay their bills, and most damning of all, she threatened to put Barney on the spin cycle on high heat after he broke her Christmas decor and bit her. I disagree. I think most damning of all, is she has her own theme. Whenever she's shown, there's a, a villainous theme for her. Like, she is the gremlins before the gremlins get there. A hot take, and this goes against my previous thesis of being team animals, but I'm team Deagle on this one. Mm. I love dogs, but I cannot stand people who bring their dogs everywhere and expect people to be fine with it. And I'm a dog person, but there needs to be some sort of code of ethics about bringing your dogs. Mrs. Deagle got bit by that dog in a bank, and I don't think that that sentence should ever be said. 
you know? Agreed. So unfazed by the near murder of his dog, Billy decides it's time to hit the town and meet up with Katie, a woman who moonlights at the local pub, wears a little house on the prairie dress, and dons a bowl cut inspired updo. And if that isn't enough to prove that this bitch is just oozing sexuality, Katie hates Christmas and loves to trauma dump. She quickly tells Billy that not only did she find her dad's rotting corpse in a Santa suit, but the suicide rate is always highest around the holidays. While everybody else is opening their presents, others are opening their wrists. A real good time <laughs> gal, that Katie. Love Katie for that. <laughs> Much like the Katie I know, she's a downer, but we love it. And first of all, she was at work when she was wearing that dress. For those of us who remember Phoebe Cates from the 80s, you'd have to do something to cover up that body. Otherwise, her character would not be believable as being, you know, mousy and timid. This was before the 90s glasses Mm -hmm. did the trick. Exactly. They had to give her that ugly haircut. And I have to say, in that first scene when she had her hair up, I thought she had the (laughs) ultimate pixie cut. Like the final boss of pixie cuts. And then the next time we saw her, she had her hair down and I out loud said, oh, thank (laughs) Christ. Really quick before I move on, I do want to say one more thing about, two more things about Katie. One, she says, if you hate Washington's birthday or Thanksgiving, nobody cares. But say you hate Christmas and people treat you like a leper. That's not true anymore. Well, yeah, about Washington's birthday either. But I don't think that's true about Thanksgiving either. I think if someone said they didn't like Thanksgiving. We say it every year. Who? Most people. Well, not in 1984. I was like, bitch, what are you going on about? (laughs) Wait, what's your argument here? That she's saying, if you don't like Christmas, you're a terrible person, but you cannot like Thanksgiving and nobody cares. But in 1984, I think that wasn't true. That was a good clarifying question, Quinn, because I couldn't quite figure out. So you're arguing that people do hate her for hating Christmas, but they also would hate her for hating Thanksgiving. But also, I don't think it's so much about her not liking Christmas. I think it's that she won't shut the fuck up about hating Christmas. And also, maybe don't lead with your dad's broken neck down the chimney. You know, <laughs> I think that that really does tend to bring down the overall mood and maybe put people off a bit. Yeah, she's making it about her. Honestly, good for her because she seems to have known him for a while. And if that happened to me, he would have heard that story a long time before that. <laughs> If my father had died in a chimney, like that would be like one of the things people would say about me before you meet me. Oh yeah, that would be uh-huh. two truths and a lie for like mm. orientation. So good for her to be on the verge of like banging this dude and working with him every day all the time. And he still doesn't know. Last thing about Katie. When Billy picks her up at work, there's one drunk person at the bar and she like kicks that drunk man out and then turns the lights off and leaves. Does she not have to clean up or like count money or anything? And that was the xenophobic man, by the way. Oh. Yeah, you didn't, didn't catch his that. rant about gremlins, how they're foreign parts that get put in cars and ruin everything. Yeah, but he was right. <laughs> I'm from Detroit, so the whole buy American thing didn't bother Beautiful. me. As we all know from Mr. Mom, they were shutting down the plants and stuff. Chelsea and I don't know that. I've never seen Mr. Mom. I believe that also came out the same year. Mm, with Dan Aykroyd, famous. <laughs> yeah. No, wait, who is it for real? Michael Keaton. Oh, yeah, we'll watch Yeah, that. I like him. We've already seen it, Donnie. I meant on the podcast. There's many different we's (laughs) in this. We all take a turn. Wee (laughs) wee. Next. Okay. (laughs) 
Still horned up by all that talk of suicide, Billy decides to give one of the Mogwais to his science teacher to study, torture, and breed. And mm. because everyone in this movie is a fucking moron, soon rule number three is broken. They eat after midnight and all hell breaks loose. Now, this is where things get turned on its edge because I have to stop here because we were also talking about the only black person in the entire town. Mm. So here, the smartest person slash dumbest person in the town is a black man. Some may remember him as Colonel Taylor from a different world. That's the black people listening. Everybody else will just say how much he looks like the black boy from Stranger Things. That was me. He called me out for saying that. I thought he was Dan Aykroyd, so... (laughs) Really good character actor, that guy. <laughs> That's funny. Can't do that anymore. Rule of three. We're done with it. Dan Aykroyd. <laughs> <laughs> now we broke the Don't rule. make me turn into Spike. I will find a way to put Dan Aykroyd into every sentence. Oh, my God. Forward. Last week, she talked about shoving a candy cane up her ass <laughs> at least 16 times. Jesus. And there wasn't a point to it. That wasn't even a punchline to begin with. It's something I said once. And then I have a problem where when other people stop finding something funny, it makes it funnier to me. And I can't stop because the less people laugh, the more it makes me laugh. Yeah. The Matt Reif. <laughs> well, let's not make those comparisons, please. You got the same job. <laughs> <laughs> so all of the Mogwais, except for Gizmo, turn into slimy, green, reptilian gremlins. While the incompetent police force laugh in Billy's face and get drunk at the precinct, the evil gremlins, now multiplied by 1,000 after Stripe takes a little dip in the swimming pool, take over the town. They fuck with the satellite dishes, party at a local bar, run over the racist neighbor in his American car, and worst of all, go caroling. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I've gone caroling before. Well, of course you have. Case is closed. <laughs> it was with the church. Oh, okay. Oh, a church caroling. Better. Keep I going. was wondering how this went. <laughs> we went with the church, but it was like we started at the mall in the food court, and then we went to visit shut-ins that couldn't leave their house. <laughs> and then... A captive audience. <laughs> you literally went to people who couldn't escape you. <laughs> They couldn't come to church or anything, so we knew they wanted company. So we visited them, and then we ended at the old people's home in the, like, part of it where they're going to die soon. Hospice? So now don't you both feel bad about yourselves? No, No, I feel bad for them that their dying (laughs) memories were listening to a bunch of youth group kids screech at them. No, everybody, from young to old. It was beautiful. How big was this group? Like 20 people. Yikes. (laughs) I have many follow-up questions that we certainly won't get to today, but do you just perform one song at each house? I think there were three. Three songs? Christmas songs are long, though. And I hope to God it wasn't the 12 days of Christmas. No, they were all religious. Oh, the best part of Christmas. Like, we three kings of Orient Like that. So not even the pop hit. Away in a manger. Like that. Wow. (laughs) And we ended every house with joy to the world. You have to. Classic. You have to. <laughs> yeah. Celebration of sorts. And that's why my mother would turn the lights off. Well, she's not a shut-in, so we wouldn't have visited. She could have escaped, so they only visit (laughs) people who couldn't get away. So the humans aren't going to go down without a fight. While Katie fights them off with flash photography, Billy's mom enters a kitchen cage match, murdering them with blenders, bug spray, microwaves, and more. Finally, her idiot husband's inventions are good for something. Quinn, take it away. What we see here is turning the domestic goddess image on its head. She is the consummate mother trudging through, and her home 
is being attacked. And as white women would say, she goes into mama bear mode and she gets a knife and she goes after them. <laughs> she does not become a victim in her home. She fights back. And, you know, I love this scene for so many reasons. You know, I'm a big fan of women taking charge in movies. Like we talk about the scream queens. We don't talk about the action queens, you know, the Sigourney Weavers whatever this woman's name is. These are the people <laughs> that have done this. This is what little girls should see. Little girls should see that you don't only have to be a homemaker. You can also be a murderer. Chelsea Stoddard saw it. Good, it's good. Because you can tell that there's a moment where it excites she her. She realizes women can have it all. Women can have it all. I think she gets a little wet. It starts to do it for her. She better not get too wet. I know, thank God she's not a mogwai. This woman... <laughs> who I can only think sacrifices so much. I love that it's this part of the 80s where like you have women who probably got married way before that. And now here she is, a woman of the 80s, able to share the same haircut as her son <laughs> and do these things <laughs> in a really forceful, feminist way. It's truly my favorite scene in the movie. Thank God her head didn't roll down the steps. I liked her being Loved successful it. in her endeavors. <laughs> what I heard was, Motherfuckers, you're not going to run me out of my house. That's what I heard. <laughs> this is my house. Billy and Kate find the rest of the gremlins in the movie theater where they are enjoying a film and a sing-along. It turns out that along with poker, booze, and cigars, these little guys love Snow White and the Seven Dwarves. Oh, yeah. You thought they were going to be quiet in a movie theater? We're back to the racist tropes. <laughs> but listen, out of all the things these little hell demons do... <laughs> Of course, of course, they like the worst Disney movie of all time. When I saw that they enjoyed Snow White, I was like, oh. I hope. <laughs> I think they're way worse than Snow White. I agree. Name three. The Hunchback of Notre Dame. Rah, bah, where's my buzzer? Um, <laughs> okay, name two more and I'll try not to buzz. <sighs> I don't know. I mean, I like Snow White. I do too. Quinn, name three. Name three worse than Snow White. I'm trying to think of like which era because it's like classic pixar doesn't count pixar should count because it's still disney movies doesn't count well now you're just adding rules uh, the it. black cauldron oh um, i'm fighting with you on that one quinn i love that i know one. i like it but i, I couldn't anyway my point is made i'm fine we're good to move on <laughs> you don't like her because of her haircut <laughs> <laughs> no she's also just such a snooze i don't like disney movies until they started getting backbone when they started talking back to their fathers that's when i like disney movies like jasmine Ariel, Belle a little bit. All the ones before are just like, <laughs> like, oh, please, go choke. I think Belle was a peltzer. <laughs> oh, from this movie? Mm -hmm. Her father was oh, a crazy inventor yeah. that didn't invent anything. But she still supported him. Belle was also a furry. She was not as attracted to the beast when he turned back into a human. Nor should Who she Who was? Be. Did you right. see what he looked like? <laughs> well, you could have stayed a dog for that. <laughs> At least Chelsea would have humped you. <laughs> I'm sure Beast's tongue game was solid. <laughs> oh, goodness gracious. Tale as old as time. So the gremlins aren't whistling while they work for very long, though, because while Gizmo turns on Stripe, burning him to a crisp in the sunlight, Billy blows the rest of them up in a gas fire. It's the rule follower in me, but... I know that we need to save ourselves and kill these things, but setting the movie theater on fire and breaking into the department store made me very nervous. I love that that's the line in the sand. You have been advocating for the murder 
of these creatures since the moment that they opened that box. And in yet, your home is one thing, but now you're doing mass destruction in the town. Well, they're doing mass destruction, Donnie, and there's no police to even stop you from doing it. You these guys things. are sounding like a lot of influencers in 2020 right now. <laughs> I can name three of those influencers, all worse than Snow White, actually. That's a nice change. Nobody learns any lessons in this movie, though, because when the shopkeeper from the beginning comes back and delivers an anti-capitalist, anti-fascist, anti-racist speech, the dad chooses this as an opening to pitch the merits of his latest invention, a smokeless ashtray. And then the family warns the audience about gremlins lurking in your house. But... At least our movie does have somewhat of a happy ending because Gizmo is finally out of the Peltzer family's custody. Until Gremlins 2. <laughs> Merry Christmas. I guess we're going to do final thoughts about the movie. Here. <laughs> yes, right now. Yep. What I like about it is the vibe of it. When it comes to like Christmas movies, my tone is either like horror Christmas or violent Christmas. <laughs> and then like maybe like some touchy-feely, like maybe 30% of that. But give me Krampus, give me Black Christmas, give me all of that. So that's what I love about Gremlins. I also love that they made the changes to keep Gremlins from being such a B-movie, like eating people's heads and being like that violent. The way I envision Gremlins is they can choose to be good or bad, which I think Gizmo represents. But I think they're playful and I think they prank and I think they're trying to like have fun and cause chaos. And sometimes that chaos kills you. Hmm. It's not always intentional. It's just something that can't happen to you. And I love that's the vibe of the movie. And the vibe of this podcast, really. <laughs> the chaos is there. Yes. It could yeah. kill you, but you signed up for it. It could kill you, mm -hmm. but it most likely won't. But it, it it's a good chance that it could. So if you were to bring this movie to present day, who would you cast? Or what would you want the plot of a sequel to be? I would think I would want to do probably a straight up sequel. I think I would want to do Gizmo kind of being passed because they've established that those things live whatever. Mm -hmm. So Gizmo can be passed down and become like a family pet. And I think he could be passed down to the child of Billy. Billy. Billy, that's right. Typical as white, isn't it? It can be passed <laughs> down to Billy's son, who I would cast to be like Justice Smith. I think it's time to put black people into this because I feel like those are the themes. I think he would be a good new Billy. I think he's like deadpan enough. He's cute enough because Billy was pretty boring. And we'll make his mother, Gabrielle Union, will make his father still the same guy as that. Yeah, he's not doing anything. <laughs> we'll bring out grandma if she's still alive and maybe we'll give her a moment where she like sticks her cane in one. <laughs> we'll have Katie played by the girl from the new Snow White movie, oddly enough. Love her, Rachel Ziegler. We're familiar. I am, at least. <laughs> and, you know, I think Gizmo is still available to reprise his role. Perfect. I also kept it black. Kiki Palmer is who? Yeah. Billy's mom is Angela Bassett. The science teacher is Octavia Spencer. <laughs> oh, I forgot about the science teacher. <laughs> Randall Park. I'm done. Uh-huh. <laughs> Katie, I gender swapped because I think it would be fun to see a female lead. So Katie, I made Tyler James Williams from Abbott Elementary and Everybody Hates Chris. And Billy is Kiki Palmer. 
yeah there it is she would be so good though sometimes i do feel like i bring her in just to bring her in but this one think about her fighting those little fuckers so good i would also change it so that the gremlins were coded as white people not black people anymore oh okay so like instead of like you know what goes on in the hood it would just be like january 6 vibes because (laughs) you know that's that's also like a conspiracy and a prank that kind of kill people so it's like i feel like that kind of works yeah wearing viking hats mm-hmm. american flag pins in their mogwai form they're just like your kooky aunt who discovered <laughs> facebook and then it's like uh-oh but don't let her get on facebook after midnight and like yeah. her hair just starts getting more and more karen and her american flag garb like first it's a pin and then it's a sweater and then it's just a full like Donald Trump. They have two forms. It's like Chelsea from That's So Raven and then bam, (laughs) that white woman who's known for doing this. (laughs) I'm going to just make that my sequel because I did not do the assignment except for I wrote haphazardly Amy Sedaris, Mrs. D. <laughs> I forgot about Mrs. I'm D. I'm casting Taraji P. Henson as Mrs. D. Fine, Jennifer Lewis. <laughs> oh, okay. Okay, continue. So final, final thoughts. What about this movie aged well and what aged like Blockbuster? I have to say the actual puppets or gremlins yeah. or however they did yeah, it. Yeah, I think making them puppets instead of CGI was the way to go because because of that, they aged better. Yeah, I mean, in terms of things that we cover from like the early 2000s that use CGI, this is significantly better. Yeah. than any of that mm-hmm. other things that age like blockbuster i mean there were just problematic shit sprinkled in like katie doesn't like christmas and he's like what are you hindu or something just things that like we didn't really need to be <laughs> adding to the plot mm-hmm. just very 1984 and i know there was the rating thing but it is rated pg and this is not a family movie it is now i would leave i would be scared and then in hindsight i think my kids would be scared and in my defense my girls only watched while Gizmo was cute. They didn't see any of the other things, although my oldest daughter did ask to see what Mm. they were going to look like, and I did Google image that for her. I wanted just to give her a sneak peek of what she (laughs) might see when she's old enough, you know, like next Mm -hmm. year. I think that the Kitchen Commando aged very well. I think that was a really forward feminist way to handle that. I think that aged well. I think the xenophobic neighbor aged well because that person is still here and still our neighbor to this day. I think that the inventions did not age well because people just don't invent things anymore. And I can't even imagine having somebody who's a parent and their job is inventor. I think it's just called Bitcoin investor now or maybe app developer. (laughs) Going back to the inventions, they didn't age well even with the times because that was my biggest gripe with that man is that all of his inventions, like he tried to invent a juicer a coffee maker, like these are all things that already Mm -hmm. existed. (laughs) He's literally reinventing the wheel, which is what they tell you not to do day one of inventor school. All right, so the time has now come, Quinn, for the thing that you've been waiting for this whole time, the end. (laughs) So please tell everybody where they can find you, follow you, see you on tour, et cetera. Uh, You can find me on everything, TikTok, Twitter, Instagram, at the Quinn Lamar. You can see me. Uh, I'll be performing all over New York this month um, at the Strand Bookstore doing homoerotic. And that is this Friday. I'll also be doing Queendom in Williamsburg, which I think is next week, if you want to do that. And then I'm doing another show in Jersey City at Dorian's Right Hand. Uh, January, I go back on tour and I'll be going to Portland, 
LA, Irvine, Oxnard, San Diego. And yeah, you can find me there in those cities eating. So next <laughs> week we are continuing with our Christmas spirit and we are covering Batman Returns. It's just going to be me acting like Catwoman for an hour and a half. Chelsea, I hope you're ready. It's just going to be me acting like the Penguin. <laughs> <laughs> and on that note, we will talk to you later. Love, Love you like, like a sister. sister. Thank you for listening to I Am The Cute One, a nostalgia podcast. If you liked what you heard, be sure to give us a five-star rating and subscribe to our show. You can follow me at Real Donnywood on Instagram and TikTok. And if you want more of my personal brand of chaos, check me out at Ono Chels on Instagram. And for uncut, unedited, and unhinged video and audio footage of current episodes of I Am The Cute One, head to patreon.com slash one. And go to IamTheCuteOne.com for the most chaotic merch on the planet. Talk, Talk to, to you later. later. Love you Love like a sister. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.